Good morning. Thank you for joining Redwood Christian Fellowship this morning. And uh, we're starting a new series through uh, from now and through the summer for uh, we're going to be going through the book of, uh, well, actually the chapter, First Corinthians uh, 13. And uh, today's message will cover the first three verses, First Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And uh, let's have a, a word of prayer as we get into the word together. Father, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, as we open your word, you would open our hearts. That your Holy Spirit would work in us and, and through us. Lord, that we would develop your love uh, for each other and be stronger and 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 uh, uh, more capable of extending your love to the community as well. And as we begin, we, we acknowledge you are the sovereign God over all creation. And we thank you, Lord, for our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. As an introduction to 1 Corinthians 13, uh, I would say, obviously, uh, as I'm saying, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, people are thinking in their minds, oh, that's the love chapter. Uh, and that's what it's noted for in and out of the church. Probably one of the most well-known chapters in Scripture. And it's used in weddings. It's used in counseling, marriage counseling. Uh, and I have found that it's because of the broad use of it in different ways, it's easily pulled out of context. So as at least as we get started today, I want to keep it in context, because as you read through First Corinthians, you'll find that chapter 12 and chapter 14, either side of or chapter thir- uh, uh, 12 and chapter 14, either side of chapter 13 uh, are crucial to understanding it. Uh, as to its context. And so uh, it's Paul talking about the gifts. And in the middle, he has this parentheses, chapter 13, that he talks about what needs to accompany the use of gifts. And uh, it's important. Uh, you know, we understand that gifts are used properly to build up the church in unity. Uh Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and chapter 14 talk about their use and their abuse. And in between, like I said, chapter 13 is like a parenthesis with a critical side note for understanding and applying spiritual gifts. So I'd like to read chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. We look at the, the the idea of love in the scripture. There's multiple words that uh, the Greek language uses to describe love. I'm not going to go into details about it, but 
they have more than one word for it. They had the friendship, uh, relationship, uh, intimate, romantic, uh, different aspects of love. The love that, uh, Paul is addressing here is the one that we're probably most familiar with as far as hearing sermons on, and that is the agape love, the love that originates with God. And so, uh, he starts off with, uh, as if he speaks in tongues of men and, and of angels, but not uh, but have not love, I am a noisy gong, clang, uh, a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And it starts out for me in the thought of, if I have not love, for who? And I would first go to the great commandment. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And to love our neighbors as ourselves. So there's the first aspect there of the, of, of the kind of love that God wants us to have is, is for Him first, our neighbor second, ourselves third. But fallen man in a fallen world, that's not a natural way to be. We are selfish. We see things through our eyes or, or, or the particular way we look at things. Uh, uh, as, as to a group that we belong to or a church we belong to or a political organization we belong to and we have certain ideas and we think, you know, that's, you know, the people that, that we get along with or whatever. And we kind of limit our love to those areas. That is a more natural approach. But the great commandment says to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus very clearly tells us that we are to even love our enemies and even feed them and serve them. So to have this love that that Paul is talking about, he says, if he has not love, I am a noisy gong or a, chang, a clanging cymbal. To have this love requires God working in us and through us. So for me to, to grasp it and understand it, I, I, I went back to Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, it, Ephesians makes it very clear uh, in the sense of our need for God and his grace. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and your sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And I'll stop there and add that if you go to chapter 7 of Romans, we're still battling with this battle. We're still tied into this flesh tent, as Paul might call it. And as a result, we, we yield to it. And at that point, we missed what we need to be learning and, and growing and, and doing for God. But we have a God is rich in mercy. And that's where Ephesians goes with this. It says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised uh, uh, and, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, that so no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this picture of love starts with God. It doesn't start with us. God so loved us that he extended his grace to us, his mercy, his love. It says he was rich in mercy and that he pulled us out of, of, of the world and into his kingdom. This is necessary if his love is going to work through us. In the fifth chapter of Ephesians, It starts out with, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Well, how can we do that? Because God has saved us. He's given us his Holy Spirit. His love is there to work in us, change us, so that we're not like we were. Romans says to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, that we're not not be conformed to the world, but transformed to the things of God. So that is that fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality, Paul writes in Ephesians, uh, and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. In other words, there's to be a change in who we are. Verse 10 of, of chapter 5 says, Discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Well, I've already been told one thing. Be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. By the way, that gives us a hint about this love. It is sacrificial. It puts others ahead of self. Gives preference doesn't demand, oh, I have the right to this, if it somehow hurts or comes against someone else in a way that we would sacrifice our rights to, to come alongside that person. Be certain what is pleasing to the Lord. And, and uh, he goes on in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. And the idea of walking here is, is be careful how you live your life out in this world. Be careful how you walk. Remember, we're to walk as imitators of God, pleasing him. Be careful how you do this. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. Why? Because it says the days are evil. In the fallen world, there's all the distractions to take us away from the things of glorifying and pleasing God. Therefore, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then very important, and I, I mentioned this last week as we were talking about grace and mercy in the Old Testament in the book of Ruth. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You're drunk with wine, wine controls you. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit control you. 
And then the result of that is to be something very positive, something that would be pleasing to God. And that would be the addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul's concern is that we have God's love working through us. And he's, he, he makes this, this statement, like I said, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'll look at that again in a minute. Paul's concerned then as he's writing this chapter between the things about gifts in the, in the church in chapter uh, uh, 12 and 14. If this love is absent, spiritual gifts will not bring unity. In fact, spiritual gifts will be uh, uh, start to do what they were not meant to do. And that's to bring disunity. People will elevate one spiritual gift over another spiritual gift and say, if you don't have this gift, then, then you're not saved or, or you're, you're not as, uh, as mature a Christian. Paul doesn't say any of that. But he does point out that if, if the love of God is absent in the believer, then it doesn't matter if, if, if he is, uh, let's go back again to 13. If, if he speaks in the tongues of men and of angels, the tongues of men and of angels. The idea of men here is the languages of men. How many languages are there? He's basically saying if a person were so, uh, by the way, this is a, a, uh, a hypothetical situation that he's setting up. It's not that this person exists. But if someone who existed that could speak in all the languages of men and even speak in the language, uh, the language of angels. And he's not saying what that is. He's not saying that's speaking in tongues or anything like that. He's just saying if this were possible. But th- you would look at this person and say, wow, what an amazing man. What an amazing woman. Look at all the languages they speak. They speak in and, and we could even say maybe sing like an angel. They, they are amazing. And Paul says, but if they don't have love, God's love working through them, the kind of love that Jesus revealed in his sacrifice for us. He says, then I'm just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Now, I've heard this put a, a couple of different ways. The idea of a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal was as if you hit them, they make a extremely loud noise right off the bat and then they fade to silence and i believe that you should be able to apply that to this because of the language used but you have to understand too that gongs and cymbals were used in pagan religion as a big part of it and 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 so he would say you know i'm nothing i'm performing nothing better than a pagan religion performance The next one that he talks about, he says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am 
nothing. If again, this a powerful picture, and again, this is a hypothetical situation. This person doesn't exist, but he says, if there was one who has all prophetic powers, and prophetic powers here would be, uh, it's twofold. One is the giving of the word initially, or the re-speaking of the word uh, that has been spoken of by God in the first place. Now, I'm a person who I re-speak the word of God with the intent to teach and, and show application. But he's saying that this person, the prophetic person, were as a prophet like Jeremiah or, or someone else and, and had all the prophetic powers. Therefore, to be like the Old Testament prophets and speak the word of God initially and to speak it in a sense of, of teaching and, and understand all mysteries. The Old Testament was full of mysteries that were uncovered in Christ and in the New Testament. The one being primarily the, the whole concept of the gospel. The inclusion of the Gentiles. Different things. He says, I understand all the mysteries of the Bible. And I have all knowledge. Every theological piece of knowledge that there is, I have it. And if I have all the faith that's needed to even move a mountain supernaturally. And, 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 and it says here, uh, as to remove mountains. But I have not love. I am nothing. Now, he's not saying that moving mountains is a gift. He's not, again, remember, this is uh, a hypothetical situation. Again, we look at a person like this. He, he was a prophet. He's a prophet. He understands all the mysteries of the scriptures, all the knowledge of, of how it all comes together and how to teach it. And, and he has faith and he, and he, and he can move mountains by, by speaking the, the, the words move. But he does not have love, God's love, that I'm third love, God first, the other man second, I'm third. I am Nothing. This word, I am nothing, the word nothing here is without worth or value to the work of God. I could do all of these things, these supernatural things, but as far as God's purposes, if I'm doing them without the love of God working through me, they will not serve God's purpose. That's an amazing thing to contemplate. How many things do we do because we, we, we were thinking we serve God's purpose, maybe even get into a ritualistic way of doing it and, and never really take time to think about our relationship with God in the process? That could include our giving, communion, just attendance in church, a number of things that we do automatically because, well, this, is, this would be walking right. This is pleasing God. But if it's done without the love of God working in us, and that's all of us, his value is, is, he says, I am nothing. I am without worth in the work of God's kingdom. That to me is a, a pretty overwhelming thing. And then he, he adds in verse 3, if I give away all that I have 
And if I deliver up my body to be burned, in other words, I offer my body as a sacrifice. But I have not love. I gain nothing. And again, it's the same word of, of, of gaining nothing. I, I, I gain nothing with value. I, I gain nothing uh, in relationship with God. What I achieve is useless or worthless. I can think of of, of a person uh, I, I recall that was extremely generous with his giving, even to the point, and sometimes I've used this before, but even to the point of, of standing in the front of a church uh, giving one of those big poster checks to bring the church out of debt for the year end at the, at the last service of the year. Also, normally had newspapers there taking pictures and whatever. And uh, great applause. But this person was known in his business practices to be borderline and even dishonest. He did not show the love of God within the framework of of his day-to-day life. And so what someone would say to this would be, that is worthless. You gain nothing. And understand, we're not doing this to get gain. But the idea is that if you have the love of God working in you first, and you were to give away all things because God was directing you to do this, you weren't doing it to get the recognition of, oh, what a great person, or the idea of self-gratification, but you were doing it because God had instructed you to, then there would be great gain, great value. If you put yourself in a situation where you were uh, sacrificing your life, possibly, or certainly a sacrificial lifestyle in order to bless the work of God, and you were doing it because of your love of God and his people, it would you'd walk away with value. But if you were doing it to get recognition, to uh, put yourself in high esteem or self-gratification, what I achieve is useless or worthless, according to what Paul says. I want to backtrack back to Ephesians chapter 5. Being that it actually you have to go forward to go over that. I don't know if that's forward track, but I want to go back to Ephesians chapter five just for a minute and reword a couple of uh, reread some verses that we have already looked at. Verse 15 of chapter five. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Look carefully how you walk. Examine. Basically, what it, it's, it's a way of saying, examine your heart. Don't be unwise, but be wise. What is it that God would want you to be doing? Because when you're doing it for God and the way he wants you to do it, you're making the best use of your time. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, don't be controlled by the things of the world. The idea of drunk with wine would be a picture of 
of the world's way of, of, of thing, doing things. Don't be controlled by the way the world looks at it and the world says to do it, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, controlled with the Spirit. If that's happening, look again what the end result is. We are addressing one another, he says. We'll, this is going to be the result. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You'll have an attitude of thanksgiving, he says, always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. We will realize and understand even the, the things that happen that are disappointment and painful and suffering in our lives will learn, lead to a closer walk with the Lord and serving him. And as a result, uh, we give thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the key to working in harmony in the body of Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we have reverence for Christ, we will be acting by the, the, what we've been reading with his love. The love of God working through us. And in the process, desiring to love one another. And this idea of submitting one to another with reverence for Christ means, again, that idea of, of wanting the best for, for, the, for the other person. In your, that, that you're with or, you know, wanting the best for your spouse, the best for your children, the best for the people in your congregation, the best for your neighbors. This is accomplished in one way. And, and I refer to these verses often. It's in the book of Romans chapter 12. Paul, again, the author, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I look at this and, and the way Paul comes along here in verse 13 was he was very concerned about what was going on in the church of Corinth. It was getting sidetracked in various issues of, of gifts, of giving, of different things, and people raising themselves to a sense of importance. And uh, he says, this isn't it. And in the very middle of his discussion about uh Tongues and prophecy and spiritual gifts. Verse 13 or chapter 13 comes in. And he, the, 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 the idea is to have the love of God working through you. If we don't have it, we are not serving God. If we don't have it, we're, we're gongs, noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. If we don't have it, we're not gaining anything of value. In the sense of our relationship with God. We're going to go through. Really almost piece by piece. 
the the book of first Corinthians, uh, chapter 13. And we'll be starting next week with the, the, the concept that love is patient. So, uh, prepare yourselves, be reading, uh, and, and even doing some studying, uh, around this. And, uh, I think you'll really enjoy this as we go through it. And it couldn't be in a, a better time as we're going through difficult times in our country for us to see this out, the relationship of, of, of what the church is to look like. Be imitators of God. Love like Jesus Christ loves you. Ex- sacrificially giving, sharing, putting others ahead of yourself. Stay uh before we pray and close, I just uh, remind you to stay in touch with uh, Redwood Christian Fellowship online or in Facebook uh, as we end update information about the, the Sunday that we will go back to in-person worship and what we'll be doing to maintain social distance and protection from COVID-19 uh, and uh, ministering one to another. Lord willing, we'll be actually seeing you face to face soon. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word that instructs us so clearly what it is you require of us. And this this picture of, of to love you, to love one another, to even love ourselves, but in such a way as to be looking at it in the sense of, of, of the love that you have put in us. What an amazing thing it is to know, God, that you have saved us. That you have purchased us through the blood of the cross, through Jesus Christ. And so we come to you acknowledging that you alone are worthy of our praise. You alone are worthy of our worship. You alone are worthy for the, of the standard by which we will choose to live our lives. Be with us and we ask, Lord, that you would put in us your love. That we would have your eyes, your words, your hands as we minister to the community around us during these tough times. We worship you and again, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.